Good morning. I want to welcome all you that are gathered here in the sanctuary, along with those listening on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. To start our service this morning, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship. This morning is taken from Psalm 40, verses 1 through 10. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my foot on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the ground, to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of all of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Please remain standing for opening praise song, King of My Heart. He put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise to God. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be many, too many to declare. That psalm is just beautiful. Let us run to the rock, to the mountain of our salvation, the king of our heart. every now and then he's looking at me like wait a minute this is not working out sorry about that here we go ready and let the king of my heart be the mountain where i run the fountain i drink from oh he is my song let the king of my heart be the shadow where i hide the ransom for my life oh
This time I'd love to invite forward Pastor Michael Lindahl to share a bit about their ministry in Kusel, Germany. We're very excited to have him and his wife Lee here with us this morning. As you all know, uh, a few years ago in 2016 and 2017, we sent work teams to help with the 3C project in Kusel, and uh, Pastor Michael is the leader there, and so we're really grateful to have him here this morning and to hear about what's going on. So thank you, Pastor, for being here. Der Herr lasse sein Angesicht leuchten über dir und sei dir gnädig. You know what that means? That's, der Herr lasse sein Angesicht leuchten über dir und sei dir gnädig. That's actually written over there in your church. That the Lord let shine his face upon you and give you grace. Amen. That's what we all want. And that's what the gospel wants to do all over the world. To reach people so that they know that the almighty God who made heaven and earth is looking into their eyes and telling them through Jesus on the cross, I love you and I forgive you and you can come home. That's the motivation for our ministry. My wife, Lee, actually her whole name When we say Lee, most of the people who never saw her think she's from China. But it's actually a shortening, shortening for Lisa Lotte. So you can call her Lee because sometimes it's hard to pronounce. My name is in German Michael. Don't try to do that, to speak it or try it, because normally Americans start to spit when they try to do that. Because in Germany we make the so sound of our, uh, of our voice We speak in the back of our throat, and it's very hard. You make your sound mostly in the front of your mouth. We are, we have four children, three grandchildren. I'm a pastor for 38 years in church planting in the southwest part in Germany, sent out from an organization into a region in Germany where there are not many evangelical churches. We started our ministry in the city of Kusel, 
And in all these 38 years, we uh, established a network. Right now, there are six churches. We originally had eight. Two of them are already totally independent. It's an area where we're close to the French border, close to the Luxembourg border, uh, area where historically uh, the gospel really never touched the people. Uh, there was always, if you go through history uh, of our region, there was always war. Uh, even in the Reformation time, actually Reformation started a lot of wars afterwards, a 30-year war after the uh, Reformation. That actually was very strong in our area. Then, of course, the area where it was always famine, it was hard for the people to survive. And many people uh, established a, a surviving mode, which in the survival mode, you are happy when you have a roof over your head and you have something to eat on your table. And uh, people have no sense for debating or philosophically talking about God because they just want to survive which have influenced the people in our region. And today, 90% of the people in our region are what we call pragmatic atheists. They're not philosophical atheists, they're pragmatic atheists. You may think that Germany, because, I mean, you uh, here in your church have roots, uh, going back to Germany in the Reformation time, you may think that Germany is a, a, a very strong Christian nation, but actually it isn't. The churches in Germany, the Lutheran and the Catholic churches on Sunday morning are empty. Uh, nobody wants to go to church because there's no means, no, no sense or no need for people to go to church, especially because economically Germany and Western Europe is a very rich country, continent. And sometimes your heart can get lost in materialism. And many of them are lost. They don't see a need for God. They don't see a need for Jesus. If you start to talk about Jesus, you're, you're, the person you talk to actually will turn red. You can talk about sex. Nobody turns red. But if you talk about God, people are turning red. Because a very personal question, do you have a relationship with Jesus? And they don't have an answer. And they don't want to answer. That's why we started our ministry in 1985 in the small city of Kuzel, nearly same region than here, in the middle of nowhere. We only have 4,900 people. We are the smallest county city in Germany. And uh, they didn't have an evangelical church. They had a Catholic church and a Lutheran church. But people were not interested in the gospel. We started this ministry. And today, our congregation, on a Sunday morning, we have 120, 130 people coming. And people became Christians, got baptized, and it formed our church, and it formed our movement. And you have sent a work team, two work teams to us to help us because our big dream 30 years ago was to build a ministry center in order, in order to facilitate church planting in our region to start more churches. And out of this came then the six churches uh, and we needed the ministry center. And we are thankful that you sent laborers to help physically, but also for your donations that you give to our ministry in order for us to do, spread the gospel over there. The ministry center houses, theological training. We have camps in the summertime with children and young people. And since 2015, I think you heard that many refugees all over the world came to Europe, and many of them came actually to Kuzel. Right now, too, there is a great flood of refugees. We have a refugee camp directly in Kuzel, which normally holds about four or 500 refugees. Right now, there are 1,100 refugees in that camp. 
And in 2015, when the refugees came, we were praying and asking God, what can we do? Before we had an answer, the doors were just open and people just flooded. And since then, we have baptized over 80 Muslims from Afghanistan and from Iran. Our church today is not a German church. It's an intercultural and international church with about 15 different nationalities, memberships from Germany, from other European countries, Poland or Romania, and then from Afghanistan, from Iran, from Nigeria, or Burkina Faso, or from other countries. And every Sunday, it's just a little bit of taste of heaven, that when we one day all will be together in heaven. And uh, we, we can leave our passport here. Don't worry about your passport when you leave this earth, because in heaven, we only are Christians. We all are together to worship God. If you have any questions about our ministry, you can ask us after the service. You want to pray for us, have our prayer card. You can reach that. And then if you want to sign up for a prayer letter, you can ask me and I will give you the sheet. You can put your name in and we will send you a prayer letter. And you can pray for us. Pray for us right now. It's a great need over there, uh, especially with the refugees. We, ha- we have a special ministry for refugees that have, uh, that have a lot of problems. Many of them are, have a traumatic background. We are working with women that maybe come from trafficking from African countries, uh, people that went into prostitution, uh, people that were married. It's very hard for us in our cultures to understand that. But in some of the Muslim countries, uh, girls that are 10 or 11 years old already are going to be married to men that are 60 or 70 years old. Like in Iran, a man can have four wives. Many, very often they marry very young girls and it's, some of them run away from the situation. They maybe are now 18 or 20 or 30 or 40. And of course you can imagine their soul is full with hurt, uh, with pain. And we house many of them for a long time. We have a couple right now in our ministry center that live with us. Uh, we have psychologists that come and help them. And they they live with us, we eat, we laugh, we cry, we pray, and just be a family to them. And through that we pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ can touch their heart and can heal their soul. And we are thankful that God uses us. We are not special, we are not extraordinary, we are just ordinary people. But you know what? We have an extraordinary God who can use ordinary people. We are thankful for your church that you are praying and giving for us. God bless you, and if you have any question, ask me after the service. Well, thank you for being here with us, Pastor Michael. Um, before I let you escape down here, I'd love to pray for you, but also want to encourage you to be um, supporting uh, Pastor Michael's ministry in Germany. As you all know, the way we do our designated offerings here at the church, uh, we have them on uh, designated offering list. And so one Sunday during this year, our offering does go to support them. But if you'd like to give in addition to that, um, today our, our offering is to um, raise money for the Sanctuary Painting Fund here. But if you feel led to give in support of Pastor Michael, you can certainly do that. Just designate your gift for them, and we'll make sure that that gets included uh, in our support of them throughout the year. But also, the most important thing you can do, and you just mentioned that, is we can be praying for you. Um, anytime we have a missionary here, the, the one thing that they always say, the common thread, no matter where they're serving or what they're doing, is that they covet our prayers, uh, the support of, our, of the churches to be praying for them and their ministry. Uh, one of the things that, has, uh, that I got to see there uh, in Germany when we visited in 2017 
um, was just the, the ministry you have and the outreach to those refugees, as you mentioned. Um, I know speaking with you before, you talked about when you started this ministry, your desire was to see that area, you know, come to Christ. Um, and you were praying for, for that. And the way that God answered that prayer was by, you know, giving you guys that ministry to the refugees. And, and what a blessing that is. God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we expect them to, but he does according to his will. And so love to pray for you now um, and, and invite you all to pray with me as I pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. Thank you for Pastor Michael being here and his wife, Lee. We're just so grateful for their ministry and, and the work that you're doing through them in Kusil and the surrounding region. We pray for your continued blessing upon them. Uh, we pray that you empower and equip them and those they serve with uh, to continue to proclaim your gospel and make an impact for your kingdom in that region. Uh, we just thank you for the ways that, that they are ministering and uh, even in ways that they may not have expected when they first began serving uh, 30-some years ago. And so we just ask for your continued provision for them um, through the prayers of your people and the churches that support them, but also, Lord, uh, financially and materially. We ask that through our giving and our support, as well as many others, Lord, that they would be funded and that they would have the resources they need to continue to serve you and minister for you in this, in this area. Uh, we just thank you for all those that serve alongside them also in and through them, Lord, uh, all for your glory and for the good of those that they serve. Uh, Lord, we also want to take this time to just thank you for um, your many blessings in our lives. And, and we think especially also of those in our own church and community who are in need. We ask that you would provide for them. Um, we, you, Lord, you know exactly what is needed in those situations. And so we pray for healing, for provision, for comfort, for peace. Um, Lord, you know what those, what those families and what those individuals are going through, and we just ask for your blessing upon them. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Michael. I invite you to continue to worship with us now and stand and join us in singing. Where would we be without the blood of Jesus? Where would we be without his love?
Jesus looked past the cross because he knew that his Father's love could not reach us without that sacrifice. No matter where we're at, no matter where we're at, if we will just receive him, his blood covers over us, that we can stand before the creator of the universe, the Papa God that wants to have a relationship with us. Just reach up to him. Just say, Father God, I want a relationship with you. And I accept your son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that he gave. We don't have to come perfect. But oh, what joy that Pastor Mike talked about when we are all together without the passports. We are all our Christians. Experiencing the love of our Savior and our Heavenly Father. No matter what you've come with, 
no matter where you are, just reach out to him and say, I accept you. I accept your son. I accept what he's done. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated and the children can come forward. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going, guys? Good. Did you guys have a good weekend? Yeah. Did you guys do anything fun this weekend as we're waiting for more to come? Yeah. You did? You get to ride a horse? You cleaned out stalls. That's some good hard work. (laughs) All right. So, today we're going to be talking about prayer. And I have a couple questions for you. When do you pray? Anytime? All the time? Nighttime? At supper? Yep. Morning? Night? You can pray at school. What? At lunch? Yeah, you can pray all the time. So what kind of things do you talk to God about? How your day is going? What else? Do you pray about other people? Maybe some friends or family members? Do you thank him for things? Yeah. Do you ask him for help? Yeah. And... Is God always listening to us? Always. Always, always, always. So, prayer is how we talk to God, right? And our relationship with him, too. Because we're when we pray, we're, we're giving him all of those things. And we're saying, God, I trust you with all the stuff that I'm bringing to you. Whether it's friends or family or just your day. Um, so, today we're going to read the story in Matthew 26 where Jesus was praying in the garden. And so he had just finished eating the Last Supper with the disciples, and he knew that he was about to go to the cross and that he was going to face his death. Do you think Jesus was nervous? Would you be nervous? I would be really scared. And so he went to the garden, and he went to pray. And I'm going to read that story for us. So it says in Matthew 26, 36, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So all throughout this passage, Jesus is praying, okay? And he, he was praying, and he was like, God, if there's any other way for me to save people from their sins and not to have to die on the cross, then please show me the way. But if not, I will do this. And so Jesus was really struggling, wasn't he? He was really scared, and it said that he had, his soul was troubled. Um, and so he knew that he needed God's help, and so he went to pray. And God, he didn't change the situation. He still had Jesus go and die on the cross, but he gave him the strength that he needed to face the cross and the courage to do it. Because it was a, that was a really big thing that Jesus did. Yes. 
He did not get get the superpowers from the cross. Um, But Jesus teaches us a really important lesson here. He teaches us that no matter what, we can always pray to God, especially when we're having a hard time, especially when things are really tough, we can go to him. And that doesn't always mean that God's going to change the situation. It doesn't mean that things are going to get better. It just means that God will remind us that he's with us and that he'll give us the strength we need to face whatever we're going through. So, and we can know that any time that we pray, God always hears us and he's always working, okay? So I want you guys to remember that, that Jesus prayed when he was, when he was struggling and that we can too. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these children. I thank you for your word um, and the lessons that you teach us all throughout scripture, Lord. God, I pray that you would remind us that no matter what we face, whether it's a good day, a bad day, or a hard, hard moment, Lord, that you are always with us and that we can turn to you and pray and that you will give us the strength we need to face every and all situations. We love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Tori. You guys can head back to your seats. And as the choir comes forward, I just want to take a moment and remind you that there are Lenten devotionals available for free. Um, if you want to pick one up, we have copies at the Info Center as well as the entrances to the church and the Ministry Center. Um, it's a 40-day devotional. So just to remind you, uh, if you are starting, if you're going to pick one of these up and read along with us, it will begin this Wednesday. Um, and then it's six days a week, so they're not labeled that way. It's just day one through 40. But if you're reading through the devotional, and Sundays will be a day off for you because there are, there are 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday if you don't count the Sundays in between. So, um, again, there's copies available. I encourage you to take extras. Give them away to friends and family. This could be a great way to just share Jesus with a, a neighbor or a friend or a coworker. Um, so I want to encourage you to take extra copies if you have someone in mind to give them to. Again, our offering, as I mentioned earlier, our designated offering this morning is to go to support the Sanctuary Painting Fund. And so as the deacons come forward to collect the offering, I encourage you to give as you feel led to that. And I just want to remind you, if anybody would like to support Pastor Michael and his ministry, you can certainly do that as well. Just mark your gift appropriately for that. So I, I invite the deacons to come forward for offering.
scripture reading this morning is taken from Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of the Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. You may be seated. There's one other announcement I uh, neglected to make earlier, and I want to cover that here before we go to go to the Word. Um, there is a uh, free meal that we'll be doing Wednesday, March 1st. So not this coming up Wednesday, uh, but the Wednesday after that from 5.30 to 6.30 in the Ministry Center. That meal is open to everyone, including Awana families and members of the community. So we encourage you to join us for a time of fellowship and good food. The menu will include pasta, garlic bread, and salad. We are looking for some people to bake cookies for dessert. So if you can donate your time and efforts to that end, I encourage you to let Allie or the church office know. Uh, Awana will still be happening that evening as well as youth group at its normal time. Awana will just shift from 6.30 to 7.30. So I invite you to join us as we share that meal together on Wednesday, March 1st. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time. Uh, we thank you again for the opportunity to hear from your word, uh, how important that is for us and our lives and our, and our relationship with you. I pray that as we study it together that you would open up our hearts and minds to what you have in store for us. And I pray, Lord, that you give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. A few weeks ago, my family and I were driving in the car, and we were listening to just different songs that, um, in particular, Allie and I remember like when we were younger. And, and I put on the song, uh, Live Like You Were Dying by Tim McGraw. It's a few years old now, but I'm sure many of you remember that song. It tells the story of a man who found out um, he had a terminal diagnosis, and so the song was about how he had learned to live like he was dying. He did all the exciting, fun things like skydiving and climbing the Rocky Mountains and riding a bull named Fu Manchu, right? All these fun and exciting things. And the, the moral of the song, the moral of the story was to not wait until you have a situation like that, but to live your life every day in light of what is going to happen, what we all know we'll face one day. And that song comes to mind because this story that we just heard read from us, read for us from Matthew 26, uh, Jesus, had, Jesus knew exactly what he was going to experience that night. You heard Pastor Tori talking about it during the children's chat. 
This was the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed. He knew that this night was going to end with his betrayal, his arrest. And by that time the next day, by the afternoon on the following day, he would be crucified for our sins. And so the question is, what did Jesus do with the knowledge that he had one night left? What would you do if you had that knowledge, right? What would you do if you know you knew this was your last night on earth? I could tell you what Jesus did. He spent his time in prayer with his heavenly Father. And in the garden there, we see a model for what it looks like for us to persevere through prayer. And so that's what I want to talk with you about for a few minutes here this morning. There's a few things we can learn from Jesus here in this passage. The first is that we need to be faithful in our sorrow, faithful in our sorrow. See, Jesus, we, we think, uh, sometimes we, we have a kind of whitewashed image of Jesus in our minds, right? We, we tend to focus on the stories of Jesus that are um, happy and, and joyful and, and we see the, that are easy to talk about in Sunday school. But if we were to do a survey of the Gospels, you see that Jesus actually experienced the full gambit of human emotions, including sorrow, grief, and stress. I just want to share a few of those with you here this morning. For example, Jesus wept at Lazarus's tomb in John 11. He wept over the death of a dearly loved friend. Jesus also wept for unbelieving Jerusalem in Luke 19. He looked out over the city and he was moved because he deeply cared for the lost. Jesus knew what it was like to be betrayed by a friend and to be abandoned in his time of need. In fact, he was just about to experience it that very night. Jesus had stress over what he was about to experience. In Luke's version of the, of the Garden of Gethsemane, it notes that Jesus actually sweat blood as he was praying in the garden. The stress over what he was about to experience was intense. And of course, we also know that Jesus experienced intense physical pain through the flogging and the, execu the crucifixion that he would experience over the unfolding hours. He experienced intense emotional pain as people mocked him and heaped insults at him as he hung on the cross. And he ex experienced intense emotional, excuse me, spiritual pain as he experienced the full weight of our sin on his shoulders, as he experienced the full weight of the Father's punishment towards sin on our behalf. Now, it's important to note here that, that Jesus, Jesus experienced all of these emotions while being perfectly obedient to the Father. There are some people that will tell you that if you're experiencing sorrow or grief or stress, that you are somehow outside of the will of God. That if you are truly being obedient to the Father and you are truly doing what God wants you to do, then you'll be happy, healthy, and well. But Jesus is the example for us to follow. And Jesus was perfect. Perfect in his obedience, perfect in his holiness. He never strayed from the Father's will. And yet he experienced the pain and the suffering and the grief that many of us experience as well. Of course, his was to an infinite degree because of the weight of his ability to endure our sin. Suffering, grief, and stress are not signs that you are outside of God's will because Jesus experienced all of those things to a greater degree than any of us will ever know, and yet he did not stray from the Father's will. 
he was always obedient. Are we the cause of our own suffering sometimes? Of course. Right? Sometimes we are the reason we suffer. There's a sign I saw once that said everything happens for a reason, and sometimes the reason is you're stupid and you make bad decisions, right? That sometimes we cause our own suffering. But not all suffering is of our own making. And so know this, God will walk with you through suffering and grief. When you find yourself in that deep, that dark valley, look to him to guide you through it. And I believe Jesus experienced all of this so that he can help us in our time of need. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, speaking of Jesus, the author says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. In other words, Jesus suffered. He experienced that full array of human emotion so that he can help us when we're going through the same thing. So we can look to him for help. If you are is troubled, all you have to do is look to Jesus and he will help you through it because he has experienced it as well. In fact, I think that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning of verse 3. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in suffering, so also you share in our comfort. Paul's talking about his own ministry experience and his own suffering and how he was able to help those in times of need. And we can look to Jesus as well because he suffered and he experienced those emotions. We can come to him and he can be that source of comfort that we need because he is the God of all compassion and comfort. You see, I believe suffering has one of two effects in the life of a believer. On the one hand, suffering can drive you away from God. You begin to doubt his goodness and his faithfulness. You begin to question his power or his ability to help. You may even begin to doubt his love for you. And the enemy, hear me out, I believe the enemy would love nothing more than to feed into those doubts and fears. The enemy would love nothing more than to, to dig his claws in and to drive a wedge between you and God to get you to, to doubt his goodness and his faithfulness and his love. In fact, we see that strategy coming, uh, be made, being made clear in the Old Testament book of Job. In the first couple chapters of Job, it's, it describes Satan going into the presence of the Lord and, and, and asking God's permission to, to ruin Job's life to take everything away from him because Satan believes that if he just if if Job experiences suffering and if Job experiences grief then he will turn his back and curse God. The enemy wants nothing more than to allow our suffering to to drive us away from God. But I don't want to encourage you that's not our only response. Because as we see modeled in Jesus suffering can also bring you closer to the Lord. You learn to lean on him because you realize in your suffering that you got nowhere else to go. In John chapter 6, Jesus had just, got, just finished teaching a crowd 
And, and a lot of people were kind of upset about what he had to say. In fact, it says that some of the, the people who had been following him began to abandon him at that point. And so Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, what, are you going to leave me too? And this is Peter's response in John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, our, our suffering can, can sometimes tempt us to go away from God, but it can also help us, teach us to lean more on Him because we come to the realization that we have nowhere else to go, that He alone has the words of life, that He alone is the Holy One. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see that's exactly what Jesus did. When His soul was overwhelmed with grief and sorrow, He turned to His Father in prayer. See, God can use our sorrow and our grief as a crucible. It can strengthen and purify our faith if we allow it to, if we allow him to work in that way. And so, first of all, we need to be faithful in our sorrow and our grief. And the second thing that this scene teaches us is that in our sorrow and grief, we need to rely on the power of prayer. Jesus was persistent in his prayer. Jesus, you see, not just here in the scene, but throughout his ministry in the Gospels, you see Jesus had a regular habit of going off and spending time in prayer with the Father. And here in the garden, he doesn't just pray once or twice. He goes and prays the same thing three times. Jesus modeled persistence for us. And so we need to, we need to follow Jesus' example and form a regular habit of prayer. You see, you can't draw water from a dry well. And so we need to create a regular rhythm of prayer in, in the ordinary times of life when things are going well so that you have something to rely on in your time of need. I read once recently, right, that the time to dig a well is before you actually need it, right? And so, and so we need to dig the well of, of a regular rhythm of prayer it's a discipline, right? It's a habit that we can form. And we need to learn to do that even when we don't feel like it. Having a regular prayer life or time in Scripture or devotional life, whatever you want to call that, right? It's like deposits you make into a savings account. Those regular small contributions over time can make a huge difference in the long run. So Jesus was persistent in his prayer, but he was also very honest and this is the thing that strikes me the most about Jesus' prayer in the garden is just how brutally honest he was with the Father. Jesus clearly prays for this cup to pass from him. Right? Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew that he was about to suffer and die for the sins of the world. And he said, Father, if there is any other way for this to happen, if there's any other way for your will to, accomplish, to be accomplished, please, let's do that. He was honest in his prayer. He was not afraid to ask for what he wanted. You see, God knows our hearts and minds anyways. It does us no good to try to hide how we're really feeling from God. If you're nervous about something, if you're upset about something, if you are grieving, the best thing that we can do is follow Jesus' example and be completely and totally honest with him. Because he knows what's on our hearts and our minds but even better than we do, right? In his 
in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talked about prayer. In Matthew 6, 8, he talks about not, not babbling on like pagans, but, but going to the Lord and praying to him because our Father knows what we need even before we ask him. And so if you're suffering, if you're hurting, if you're grieving, I encourage you to bring your honest prayer before God. I think we need to regain the art of lament. Do you know what I mean by lament? It means, it means bringing our complaints and bringing our honest frustrations to the Lord in prayer. And the Psalms are full, full of examples of that. Psalm 13, Psalm 77 are just some examples but we need to learn to be honest with God and, and bring our complaints to Him. And here's the structure. If you were to look at some of those examples of lament in the Psalms, here's the structure you'll find. Honest, heartfelt complaint and crying out to God. And then in almost every example of lament in, that we have in Scripture, a statement of trust at the end. Trust that God is still good, that God is still faithful, and that even though our circumstances don't always show it, trust that God will be faithful to his promises. And so we need to learn to bring our honest prayers to God. And we also, in, in our prayer life, as we persevere through prayer, we need to be willing to have people intercede for us, and we need to intercede for others. Now, I love that Jesus brought Peter, James, and John with him in the garden, right? He brought people, and he asked them, he said, pray for me, right? Keep watch. Now, they didn't exactly follow through with it, did they? They fell asleep, right? The, Jesus says the, the Spirit is willing of what it means to intercede for others. How important that is in our prayer lives. We need people that we know are praying for us, and we need to be willing to pray for others. Paul often asked the churches that he was writing letters to to pray for him in his ministry, right? Prayer that his ministry would be effective. Paul was not embarrassed to ask people for prayer. You see, we get in this mindset that it's, it's selfish of us. It's, it's self-centered to ask people to pray for us. But it couldn't be farther from the truth. We need that support and encouragement from other believers. And we need to offer that to others as well. So if somebody asks you to pray for them, don't give them the, the quick, oh yeah, I'll pray for you, and then forget all about it, right? How often have we done that in our lives? We, we need to make sure that we are praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ, praying for our families and interceding for them. And the last thing that we, remember, we see modeled for us here in the garden is that Jesus was faithful in his, even in his sorrow. He, was, he relied on the power of prayer, but then he also pursued obedience even if it cost him everything. See, this is the, this is the key to Jesus' prayer in the garden. He was persistent. He was honest. But in the end, he was obedient. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus suffered. He prayed honestly and persistently. He recruited faithful companions to come alongside him. And in the end, he submitted his own will to the will of the Father. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus taught his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, wasn't it? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that prayer isn't always easy to pray, is it? It's even more difficult in times of suffering and grief and stress. But it is important for us to learn to be obedient in our prayers. You see, prayer is not about bending God's will to our own. It's not about manipulating Him to get, what, get Him to do what you want Him to do. Instead, through prayer, we are shaped 
more and more into his image, our will begins to conform to his. The desires of our heart begin to be the same as his. I really do believe prayer changes things. And yes, sometimes when we pray, God answers our prayer by changing our circumstances. I firmly believe that. But sometimes the thing that God changes when we pray is our own heart or our own attitude or our own perspective. Right? We begin to see things differently when we go to him in prayer. Again, when Jesus prayed, take this cup from me, right? God didn't change his plan. Jesus still went to the cross and suffered and died for us and our, for our sins. But Jesus learned to be obedient even in that. You see, prayer leads to active obedience. At the end of this scene, Jesus doesn't stay in the garden. After he prayed, he got up and he went and met the mob that was coming to arrest him. See, prayer gives you the strength and the fortitude to actively pursue God's will in your life. And prayer that does not motivate you to be obedient to God, prayer that does not motivate you to act, is not Christ-centered prayer. We can't just stay in our prayer closets. Our time of prayer should empower us and equip us to go and do God's will in the world, the will of the Father, not our own will. You see, this prayer in the garden, and I'll, I'll close at this point, this prayer in the garden, I believe, kind of connects to two other important scenes in Scripture. There's another scene in the garden in the beginning of Genesis when Adam and Eve are presented with an option to obey the will of the Father or to go about things their own way. And of course, our first parents rejected God's will and tried to do things their own way. Another scene at the beginning of the Gospels when Jesus is out in the wilderness being tempted by Satan three times to do things apart from God's will. In that case, and in that situation, Jesus, of course, resisted temptation and submitted himself to God's will. You see, Jesus succeeds where Adam and Eve fail. He rejected the temptation to do things his own way and instead was obedient to his Father. And because he succeeded, we can too. But not in our own strength, right? Not in our own ability, but by giving ourselves completely over to him because he will supply what we need when we submit ourselves to the Father's will. We can be obedient because he was perfectly obedient for us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for, for Jesus' example of what prayer with perseverance looks like. Help us, Lord, to be people of prayer and help us to be motivated, Lord, to, to come to you in, in all honesty and persistence, to be praying for ourselves and for others. And at the end of the day, Lord, help us to be people who are obedient to you. May our prayers, Lord, help shape us more and more into your image so that we may do your will in the world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we close out our service of worship, I invite you to stand with us once again as we sing praises to our Father. my surrender here is where I lay
like to greet Pastor Michael and his wife Lee after the service. You're welcome to do so. They're going to be hanging around here for a bit and they'd love to tell you more about what they what they do in Kusul and how you can support them. So now I pray the Lord may bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. <laughs> 